Yes. Here we are. I'm back. And I'm going to talk. It's time for a new name. You guys have known me as the Birdcast. It's time for that to go. I've been talking about that for a while. I'm going to rebrand. So if you listen to this and you're wondering why in the coming days or weeks everything looks different, I haven't actually rebranded a podcast before, so I don't know what happens. I'm hoping if you're a subscriber, you just continue to be a subscriber and maybe the name changes and the picture changes. I hope it. I hope it's something like that. Obviously, uh, Bert Kresher has fucked up uh, the name Bertcast for all us other uh, Bertcast uh, uh, people. So I knew the days were limited, and here we are at the end. So I've got no fanfare. No, wait a minute. This just in. I've got fanfare. It was... It was stiff competition over the names. The tie-breaking vote went to my youngest daughter. As the only person I consulted, um, she gets the distinction of having the tie-breaking vote. Let me turn this down a bit. But not off, because we need to keep this juiced. So the... Number two on the list. Name. I I liked for myself uh, as, as a, a significant voter. I, I was aiming for uh, Meh2K for the new podcast name. I like that because I found what I think my niche is for this. It's only taken me 40 however many podcasts I'm in. And I've, I've kind of known this, but I'm going to kind of make it more official while, while we're blasting the news music. I, I think my value here, I've thought about movie reviews, pop culture reviews, there's all kinds of stuff that I would really be happy doing, but a lot of fuckers are already doing that, so I'm gonna keep it around the core of explaining my experiences. Oh, the music's over. I'll keep talking a little bit, and then I'll restart the music for the number one choice. The new name. We're not there yet. Hold on to your pantaloons. So I wanted to focus, as I was saying, on explaining the events that have shaped where we're at today, the changes I've seen. Try to make it personal. I was talking with this lady at the karaoke bar last night. She's 70. I told her I had a podcast and that I think about what I might explain to someone who's 
uh, a teenager or in their early 20s that might help them see how we got to where we're at and what life's like. And she started telling me her life story uh, about cooking and cleaning, and her mom told her she had to do that and this and that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't tell my story. Like, I'm not scared to tell stories of mine if they're on point. Are they got anything to, to do with something interesting that I think may help you? But I'm not here to fucking bore your your ass off with stories about the way I was raised or what I think. Uh, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that old lady. She was talking about um, women today. I guess her husband died or she got a divorce or I'm not sure. You know, anything goes when you're 70. But she was talking about being on the, the dating scene again. And she's for the first time in her life telling her boyfriend that she doesn't want to cook and clean for him and fair for her but she you know she was complaining about hey girls today women's today uh don't want to cook and clean and they're like i'm not gonna cook and clean and you know good good for them that's i think that's bullshit uh and not because uh, i think women should do all the cooking and cleaning uh, but life, life has a lot of cooking and cleaning in it. And if you live with someone, guess what? There's going to be a lot of cooking and cleaning involved in what has to happen in that household. And if you're announcing, uh, out the, uh, at the outset of the relationship that, you know, I'm not going to contribute, uh, you know, I guess, you know, if you, if you give the 50 year old man who wants to date a 24 year old and pay a maid to do cooking and cleaning, then that's fine. But uh, I don't know. She, whatever she said got me thinking about, uh, you know, I'm not on the dating scene either. I don't know. Certainly I don't know what uh, 20-something-year-olds are saying. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to you to say whether or not this is legitimate or this is just the complete misrepresentation of reality by a 70 year old lady uh, but she seems to think that uh, all the women in their 20s not all of them but enough to talk about are like I don't I ain't gonna contribute uh, domestically to this relationship uh, so is that real is that a real thing it's not a problem I have uh, nor, nor is it something I'd put up with I wouldn't uh, I certainly wouldn't say that to to uh, someone if I was going to date them. Y you know, I'm not going to help out with chores and shit. I'm not so good at chores. So let me know. Send me an email at uh, gofuckyourself at gmail.com and let me know if you feel like it's important when starting to date someone to really let them know that you are going to be not uh, not in on the the busy work all right so what was i talking about oh yeah that old lady she also complained about last resort someone was singing that song it's never never really my favorite song but it's okay 
and she made sure I knew that she does not like dark music. She likes Gladys Knight and the Pips. And she sang that at karaoke. And I tried to leave, but she said I had to stay there and listen to her sing. And I did. And I mostly just talked shit about her with no no andrea if you're listening uh don't worry i won't tell her that we talk shit about her i also i also let no no andrea the uh the magnificent uh, power duo who you don't know and i haven't mentioned at all i let them know what crotchety means because i called the old lady crotchety and i think they thought i made that up and I just made sure they knew that it crotchety has nothing to do with crotch. So I was not uh, invoking imagery of the seven-year-old lady's crotch. So whatever you're doing right now, whether you're driving or sitting in your chair or mopping the floor or cooking a good meal, just close your eyes right now and don't think of a seven-year-old woman's crotch. All right, breaking news. It's time for the winning name for the podcast. It is something that I've been thinking about for a while. How do I, how do I connect the old with the new, the, the roots, where I come from? How do I tell a story in a name, a word or two? How do I get an impression? That was the thing my my youngest daughter told me that was the, the reason why she didn't like meh 2K is Y2K didn't mean much to her. And it means, you know, I don't know. It's a guidepost. It certainly was a meaningful event for those who lived through it. I'll probably do a podcast on Y2K. In fact, should I do it now? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing what I was gonna plan to do. I'll do Y2K next time, maybe. But uh, so I thought it'd be a good guidepost to let people know uh, maybe the era I'm talking about or where I'm in or something like that. But it didn't mean anything to her. Obviously, everyone who knows what Y2K means knows when it happened. And you can kind of easily figure out, I'll, I'll teach you a trick on how to figure out how many years since Y2K it is. So like, for, for example, right now it's 2023. If you write that down on a piece of paper and you go to the first two numbers and you uh, erase those two numbers, and then you take the number that's left and you multiply it by four, and then you divide that by two, and then you divide that number by two, the number that's left is the number of years since Y2K. That's a pro tip, in case there's a trivia question and uh, time is of the essence. Uh, maybe someone can figure out how to do that math in fewer steps. Ah, <sighs> shit, the music went away, and I didn't even get to the new name. Okay. Is there any other rants I want to get out? Any other ramblings? I'm looking at my hat. It's right there. It's a pretty nice hat. It's got a feather on it. 
All right. Without any further ado, you know that reminds me of every single YouTube video where they're they're like, I'm going to give commentary to a song or I'm going to break down something that happened or something. But first, let's talk about how you should subscribe and I'll talk about my favorite color and what kind of day my dog is having and I'll do all of that shit. And then 40 minutes in, it's like, all right, well, let's get right to it. Let's jump right into the, the reason why you clicked on this video, which is what I put in the title, but I wasted a lot of time before I got to it. I don't know why I thought about that right now. It doesn't really apply to anything. Okay. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, the new name. Okay, how about, uh, how about we both say it together at the count of three? Alright? Where, where, wherever you're at. If you're driving the car, or you are grating some cheese, or you are waxing the gold, close your eyes, and at the count of three, we'll all say the name, the new name of the podcast together. Are you ready? One. Hold on, I gotta remember what it is. Yes. Two. Three. Hella meh. Oh, that's good timing. So that's right, so... Wanting to combine the old with the new, so my old life... Old with a D. My old life. Up in Northern California. Up in Hella country. Or Heka country, if you are religious. Uh, and I'm not kidding about that either. They they say Heka a lot up there in God's country. And so I, w I wanted to get Hella in there. And then meh, I think that that encapsulates so much. I, did, I, I am in a band called The Meh. And by a band, I mean I, myself, wrote some songs and released an album and played some shows many years ago under the name The Meh. I thought I wouldn't name the podcast The Meh, but it is a cherished, cherished name. I'm probably too late. Uh, everyone's moved on. No one says meh anymore. Which maybe that's perfect, because that's the perfect way to summarize my podcast. So, hella meh. Hella meh. Maybe I should buy the URL before I release this podcast so you, you fuckers can't fuck with me. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, while, while this is uploading, I'm going to buy it. Let me write a... Let me jot that shit down. Buy you... Where's my space pen? Do you guys have a space pen? You should get a space pen. They're the tits. This pen can write in space. That's why they call it the space pen. Alright, bye. URL. Okay. Alright, housekeeping's done. So you got you guys know the name. I need a I need a new logo. I don't want to change it without giving you guys a chance to hear what it is. 
before you see shit changing, if that's how it works. So you guys know. That's it. Okay. Uh, housekeeping all done. I can talk about what I wanted to talk about. Let's see. It's been a month. What do these buttons do? I think that one is the... Uh, fuck a guy in the ass. I bet you're the kind of guy that would fuck a person in the ass and not even have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. I'll be watching you. Okay. And I think this one's the farts. Yes, yes. That one's the news. Is this the long fart? Yeah, there we go. Okay. You should be listening to this with headphones on. I, I've probably explained it before, but I did edit the sound that you're hearing to bounce back and forth between each ear. So if you close your eyes and listen to it, you can imagine a fly circling around your head. Or a mosquito. That's my gift to you. All right, so I wanted to... I'll go ahead, go ahead. Slow that down. Think there's some claps? No. That's that. See the claps? All right, okay. I'm not planning on applauding myself today. Or... Want-wying myself. We'll just... Go forward. I want to talk about the movies. It's Barbenheimer season. Um... Movies are big in the the culture war now. Uh, so much shit about movies. People getting angry about movies. People blaming other people for their movies, sucking balls. Um... You know, you basically take uh, you take a movie, and if it's got any hint of uh, politics in it, then you either love it or hate it for the wrong reasons. And then people fight over it, and then they go on social media, and they talk shit about it. And I just want to take a step back and kind of share what I think makes a good movie. Um, I guess the first thing I'll say is one of my very favorite authors, Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I'd say his politics and my politics probably aren't, uh, hugely overlapping at all. And he talks about a lot of things that could be considered very political but he does it in a way that is thought-provoking. He doesn't preach. He doesn't tell people what to think. He doesn't water down or misrepresent the other side. He doesn't turn his side into uh, blatantly obvious perfection. He has characters, and those characters make decisions, and things happen, and... He lets the people decide. And so I want to I wanna start off by saying that 
art, well thought out stories, movies, books, all of that. Um, they don't have to reaffirm what I believe. They don't have to. In fact, they're best when they don't. They're best when I have something to learn. So that's the, before, the, the, the I guess, rule number one is if you need to see your beliefs echoed plainly on on the screen then i mean you know good for you i'm not going to i'm not going to talk shit about you you fucking wanker but you know you do you do you and that's that's not what i'm i'm going to be talking about is how i wish more movies i could see myself in more characters and more movies i'm not that's not what i'm looking for i've been i've been studying storytelling for eight years now uh i wrote a book and i got to write the second draft i wrote the first draft it's a hundred and twenty thousand uh pounds of paper when you print it all out it's biggin', and i gotta cut two-thirds of it out and actually trim it down and stuff so i've been studying the craft of storytelling and i want to talk about the hows and whys of what makes a good movie and i'll give you some examples because that's how cool i am so Let's talk about character. You got to have characters in your play or your movie or your story. Let's take a step back. Why why do stories matter? Why why do we like stories? I don't like reading the back of the coffee can. But I like a good story. I mean they're all words, you know, why I should just like picking up the encyclopedia and reading through the encyclopedia cover to cover, right? You know, that's all words. Um, that's obviously not the case. So, you know, what is it about a story that makes us care, dedicate our time, especially with a book, if you got us put 20 hours into reading a book, what is it about that experience that makes it worthwhile i think it goes back to caveman times well at some point after after we had language obviously an important part of storytelling is communicating one person to another but it kind of goes to the idea that we can live vicariously if you will, through the story of another person's experience. And they can go through something that sucks really bad, like they forgot to pay their taxes for four years, and what was that like? And we can hear that story and not just hear the factual information, but actually feel the emotions you know, our brains let us take on 
you know, it, you know, not completely authentically, but it's not just head knowledge. We are going through the emotional journey. We are feeling empathy and feeling that experience so that the information we get from that is uh, is adopted by our brains, you know, so we don't hear about someone who went to jail for two years because they didn't pay their taxes for a decade. And then we go away and then forget to pay our taxes for a decade. And the only way we'd ever learn is if we ourselves went to jail. You know, we can hear the story from someone else. We can feel what we imagine they felt and really fucking feel it. Um, you know, which is why we cry, which is why, you know, a good movie messes with us for days. Because we, as a species, react to storytelling a certain way. And that gives us, you know, that gave us a, an a evolutionary advantage, you know, being able to share common knowledge or, you know, make knowledge common, make experiences shared through safe communication but still has emotional impact so i think that gets us today where we want something meaningful from a story which i don't i don't mean like there's a lesson to be learned i know a lot of people you know we think we read to like read a a, a fiction book to disconnect from reality and just uh, clear our minds. But if it doesn't have anything to do with anything, you know, if I told you a story about my day to day and it's just like I, I woke up, I, I went to I went to the cigar bar. Everyone there liked me. I liked everyone. We all hung out. Uh, in a pleasant enough environment and then I went to get dinner and that, you know, if I just gave you a list of facts, you know, you'd punch me in the face if I took 20 minutes to do that and it didn't go anywhere and it didn't mean anything. So when I say mean something, it's like there should be a aha moment or, you know, some kind of reward for your time. So that's, that's the, I guess the the minimum nugget that a story has to have is, and it, it should be more than one. There should be uh, a bunch of, oh, oh, that's great. That's worth my time. Moments sprinkled throughout. And if you don't have that, then you don't have a story. So that, that aside, the, the, uh, the 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 thing that makes us hunger for a good story you know we uh, and again just the the idea that that is a hardwired evolutionary trait that we have so based on that how do you accomplish this the the first the most important part well i can't even say most important part um i'll give you an example of someone who tried not to to do this. So, well, let's talk about character. You gotta you 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 at least need, I guess. Well, you can. So there's character. There's plot. There's what happens. There's 
What does it mean? There's all kinds of layers to the onion. And you can try to have something to grab onto for the reader or the watcher. And one of those things is character. Strong characters, you know why they are the way they are. You know what they're thinking, what they're doing, and that, that it's interesting. So if I was to talk about, let's talk about The Big Lebowski. If you haven't seen it, uh, I like it. I've, I've watched it a bunch of times. I had to watch it a couple times to, to like it. And now I can't, you know, if it's on, I'm going to watch it. And it gets better every time I watch it. That, I would say, is purely character. They're put in, I should say character-driven. I don't want to say character like there's only one character. There's a bunch of characters. And it's just a bunch of interesting scenes and it's entertaining as it go but really you're you're just on board cuz the characters are so i hate to say real cuz they're also extravagant and unmoored to reality but the way they act is genuine so that's what i mean by real like i used to say that breaking bad was the most realistic show on tv and what I mean is that the characters are genuine and true to the reality around them. The writers pay a lot of attention to, you know, how would someone actually feel if this really happened? And they don't just go from idea to idea, but things have consequences. And if they want, you know, a person to get in a car and drive to that location... They have to figure out the scene beforehand that makes it clear why they would do it. Uh, it's a very mature way to write, where you don't just start with the person driving in the car. You ground that in reality. Even if the reality is so not real. Because again, it doesn't have to be realistic. You don't have to identify with the characters, but you have to understand that they are being authentic to themselves. And uh, you gotta—they gotta be interesting. They can't just be shallow and nothing particularly going on. Uh, and there's all kinds of rules, like you know, the protagonist—if life just happens to the protagonist, and the protagonist is the—the the, I guess the main person in the story and if they're just going through life and nothing you know th things just happen to them and they're just reacting to things happening that generally makes for a bad story and there's tons of rules and all of the rules are meant to be broken so I'm just going to talk in in generalities as I work my way down the onion layers of good storytelling so and I'm not saying characters first or most important. It's just one of those layers. And when I said I talk about a movie that played with that, I'm talking about Tenet, which is a movie that came out a few years ago about 
I guess it's a machine. Someone figured out how to make things go reverse in time. And uh, it's a Christopher Nolan uh, complete mindfuck story. It's really, really deep, really interesting. Uh, I'm not saying you have to see it. Uh, I probably need to see it three times to really appreciate what it is. But the point I'm making is he seemed to experiment with how much of a non-character he could make the lead character. The lead character doesn't even have a name. I think if you look at the credits, I think he's called Protagonist. Let me go to Internet Movie Database. IMDB.com Uh... Tenet... Alright, let's see. That's Denzel Washington's kid, by the way. Uh, his name is... John David Washington. And his character name, according to this, is Protagonist. According to IMDB, the internet... Movie database. So that's that was part of the experiment. I mean, he hung it on, you know, what I'll get into later, which is really intricate plot, uh, a lot of things happening, uh, a lot of ideas, certainly um, worth exploring, some cause and effect, you know, all kinds of interesting stuff. I had a I had a a coworker from India I was talking about movies with a few years ago and she's like why is why do Americans love time travel movies so much I might do a podcast on that because it really got me thinking about what what does time travel accomplish in storytelling and I think it mainly has to do with fate I know in Terminator the first Terminator movie, James Cameron, the, the writer, said that he he needed time travel because he wanted there to be cyborg robots. And there was no such thing as cyborg, ro cyborg robots in 1984, so he had to have time travel for there to be cyborg robots in the modern time in 1984. So... That's probably the laziest reason ever for time travel. It turned into a lot more. They explored, especially in the second Terminator, more of the, the fate idea. What you know, that's heady, religious stuff, philosophical stuff. How, how much are we like keys on a player piano and we just are going through the motions and our futures are preordained? And how much free will do we have and all of that stuff. So I think the main reason why you get time travel as, a, as an aspect in a story is because they want to explore cause and effect and choice and fate and, and all of that. So anyway, as I was saying about Tenet, who, which had a unique way of time travel, which mainly was going in reverse and what that would imply... But the character, you, you don't know their backstory. He shows that, you know, that he's loyal 
that he's smart, so he's enough of a character to know that he's good at his job. That's his character. He's he's good. It's a character about a guy working through he's a he's a government agent maybe something he's some kind of he works for someone and he's trying to do a thing and he's good at it and that's his character so um which i guess my point is all of the rules on good storytelling can be broken uh, for every everything I'm going to say here, you'll be able to come up with a, a successful idea that does not follow what I'm saying. But in general, uh, these are the building blocks that make a story worth watching. So the first one is good characters. And along with that, it's, there's usually like an arc. And by arc, it's like the character starts in one place. Um, possibly physically, but usually I mean emotionally or something like that. They've got a problem, a chip on their shoulder, a blind spot in their life. They're an alcoholic or they don't have a good relationship with their parents or something like that. They don't know how to commit to a, a romantic relationship. There's usually some problem with the protagonist that changes over the course of of the story and that's you know a huge part of what when i said earlier that we want to get something out of the story i think a big thing uh that we want in all of our stories is an example of someone who faced a challenge and either acted in the proper way or one of the many proper ways who acted either in a proper way or an improper way and we see if it was a proper way that they succeeded and they used to call like everything's a tragedy or a comedy so if you were to just flip it on that then the people who chose wisely and learned and improved from it that would be a comedy and if they chose poorly, then that would be a tragedy. And people used to have a much more, much more of an appetite for tragedies uh, in generations past. I know there's a lot of, a lot of movies and stories I like where people do not choose wisely and suffer terribly. And I mean, you're learning something either way. Your brain rewards, you know, your brain feels rewarded for the investment in the story that you put, whether they succeed or fail, because an important part of learning is learning what not to do. You can't, you know, there's not always one right thing to do, but there's always going to be some wrong things to do, so. But if you can't handle it emotionally, you know, as a family... Uh, they do they do the wrong thing and then everyone dies, you know, if you can't walk away from that By the way, you should watch Titanic. It's great You're gonna be you're gonna be happy You're gonna I don't want to spoil the ending uh, Let's just say you're gonna you're gonna be really happy that you did Okay, so the next thing hold on. I'm gonna have a sip of my Central Valley hella country um, Raspberry wine 
Oh, good God. Oh, that, fuck, that's tart. I bought two bottles of it. I should have only bought one. All right. But I got to get through it. So, the next, next thing I want to talk about is... Oh, boy. I don't even want to get into the words of it. So let's, let's talk about, like, what happens in the movie. And then how that's different from what the movie is about. So let's talk about Jurassic Park. What happens in the movie? What makes that story go? It's... There are dinosaurs that are alive in the time of, you know, modern man. So in modern times now, dinosaurs are alive again. That is, I don't want to say gimmick, it's the hook. It's the idea that everyone had in their heads when they went to go see the movie. It's going to be a movie with dinosaurs and people together. But that's not what the movie's about. You know, imagine if that's all the the author, Michael Crichton, thought about. Hey, I want a movie with man and dinosaurs. And I want... I want, you know, them to have some crazy adventures. And obviously that could be great or that could be scary. Uh, so let's just think of some scenarios... Where with people and dinosaurs together, and then he just strung together a bunch of things, you know, guy walking through the park, and then this happens, and then someone else walks there, and then that happens, and, you know, you can end up with a lot of really boring movies, because you think of the, the hook, but you don't think of what the movie's actually going to be about. So, what do you, what do you think... Jurassic Park's about because it's not about dinosaurs and man together. That's what happens in the movie. So, what do you think it's about? Go ahead, think about it. Take a take a minute off from uh, from uh, dusting the the counter. Um, the good thing about stories is there isn't necessarily one right answer. Obviously, the person writing it knew what the story was about. And I think there's a pretty good consensus on what the story is about. You may say maybe it's the lesson, the moral lesson. Um, if, if you don't know it, you know, if you've seen the movie, then you'll know it, you know, right away when I when I say it. It's basically... It's the idea that we can control nature, that that we can put uh, nature in a cage, and that if we think through everything and have good intentions, uh, then then we can make nature our bitch. And that's, it's an exploration of that and ultimately, you know, showing that, that that's not true. And so if you have Jurassic Park without that angle to it, and it's just, 
you know, fast and furious in the jungle with people running from dinosaurs and screaming. Uh, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the same movie. So, you know, as I say that, you know, you kind of look back at, you know, your favorite movies and say, okay, well, what was this about? You know, not what happened in it, but what's it about? And the the deeper it gets, you know, you take something like Pinocchio. What's Pinocchio about? You can say, well, what happens in Pinocchio? Well, there's a puppet that can walk and talk. And it wants to be a boy. And you can just, you know, the guy writing the story could have just said, oh, that'd be interesting. I'll just throw a a puppet who can walk and talk into a lot of different circumstances and hijinks will ensue and it will be a, a great story and it would not have been as uh, as an important uh, as important as a movie and story that it ended up being because what it's about it's a coming of age story and it has, you know, specific perils, specific problems, specific stories that kids have, specific acts, uh, I'll say, um, events, things that kids have to learn on, on their way to adulthood. Um, giving into temptation, having all your friends tell you to do something that you know is wrong do you you know and you're all alone with them and you can totally get away with it is that the right thing to do let's talk peter pan i know peter pan better so peter pan what's that about you know we know what happens in it you know the kids find uh, a kid who knows how to fly in a fantasy land and they do fantasy land shit but what's it about? Well, that's really a a coming of age story. You've got you've got a boy who wants to be a boy forever. Doesn't want the pain of growing up. You got, you know, Captain Hook who did grow up and has the responsibility of being a grown-up and he's a miserable cunt. And Peter Pan says, well, I don't need that. Everyone everyone who's grown up is a miserable cunt. I want to stay young for forever. And so that's really what it's about, is, is the exploration of, you know, well, who's right? Wendy's got maternal instincts. She's trying to help the Lost Boys grow up. And should they or shouldn't they? What are the... What are the good parts about staying a kid for forever? What are the the bad parts? Um, oh, Jordan Peterson was talking about this, like potential. When you're a kid, you got potential. But that potential doesn't last for forever. And if you just want to hold on to the potential that you have, and, you know, eventually you're 50 years old and you've pissed all your potential away. You know, the potential doesn't last for forever. So there's so many ideas 
that the the author thought through you know what is peter pan about and so that's you know such an important part to storytelling you got to have that what's the hook what's the one sentence version you know dinosaurs and man together uh uh, a flying boy with a fairy and uh, older sister and her brothers go off in fantasy land and have a fantasy land adventure. You know, you got to have that one sentence hook about what happens. But then you got to have what it's really about. And the better, the, the best stories, it's really hard to say. You know, you really got to think about them to figure out what they are. And the answer might be different to everyone. Like Cinderella, what's Cinderella about? You know, like sweeping and good things happen to you. If you like, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it <laughs> long enough. Like if you sneak out of the house and disobey your shitty mom, then you'll find true love. It's like, no, that's not the moral. But there's something, there's something there. There's something universal that means something. And maybe that'll be my homework assignment is to try and distill what Cinderella is. Uh, but that's important uh, to to a story. You know, there's so many hack writers out there who just put themselves into situations or glorified versions of themselves in the situations where they're like, oh, that would make me mad. And then it's just a, a string along, uh, you know, characters like the author going through a, a disconnected series of events where someone makes them mad and then he puts or she puts the, the antagonist in their place and then they move on to the next thing. And I don't know, I guess, I guess if there's a writer, writer out there who's exactly like me and writes a story where you're going through and getting revenge uh, for all the people, and I also has to happen to hate all those people, then I might enjoy it. Maybe, maybe I'll write a movie, um, line, line Cutter, the movie, you know, when you're driving down the freeway and you're waiting in line. To, to merge or go somewhere and there's a bunch of lanes that aren't going there and they're moving fast and then there's the cocksuckers who drive right up to the last second and then they stop and they turn on their turn signal and they're like please let me into the line I didn't know I didn't know this was a line to go that way I have to go that way it's my favorite way to go please let me over well I hate those people I could write a movie about that where it's just me getting revenge on people like that. If you've ever been through something like that, you may tolerate five or ten minutes of a, of a story like that, but there's no way you could get an hour and a half out of that unless you figured out what the movie was was really going to be about so that's like because i'm thinking about ai now people seem to be worried that 
AI is going to start writing all the scripts and all the people who write scripts are going to be out of a job and movie studios are just going to say, hey, I, AI, write uh, Iron Man 7. Uh, something, something, uh, let's have a, a Lamborghini in it this time. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and then it spits it out and then they have like someone proofread it. Uh, make sure it's not going to cost too much money and then have AI just put all the actors in and not actually need actors anymore. And just the computers will make all the movies from now on. And I did try, I did try talking about one of my, my book ideas with chat GBT. And I was very impressed with how much it understood and I asked it to write a chapter for me and it the fact that it tried and I asked it I gave it I told it like I want there to be uh, a struggle that the character works through and it invented a struggle and the character solved it and it was not particularly interesting I was just fucking floored that it knew what to do. Even though the output was boring as shit, the fact that it wrote a story, little, little story, tiniest of stories, I basically, I'll go ahead and get a little details. I wanted, I wanted this kid to break into a data center. Kid, he's the, the main character. He's like 18 or so, 17. I wanted him to break into a data center, and I basically said, write, write a chapter where he has to break in, but it's challenging, and he proves his worth uh, to himself that he was able to overcome it. And it basically said he went up to the door. There were security guards there. The security guards looked him over, and it, you know, really cheesy writing. It almost said, you know, on a dark, stormy night. Oh, the wind blowing through his hair, you know, it was a real cheese dick story and but the kid went up and the security guards like what are you doing here and the kids said look nervously around and he said i'm here for the job interview and the security guys like okay good answer yeah come on in and so just the fact that i was able to tell the the ai uh invent a problem and solve the problem and it did it F fucking floored me now, would you get away with making that a story? No. No. Just because it can understand what conflict is. Like, what is it like when two people disagree with each other? Yeah, it's like, it, it knows that. But it can't, it can't string a story together. Which is the main thing. Like, I can't, I can't watch TV. Because there's so few shows that I feel like are well-written. You know, people are scared that AI is going to just pump out thousands of episodes of TV uh, a day. And I'm like, we're already there. I can't, you know, there's so many Star Wars things and they're just churning that shit out as fast as they can with no real thought. You know, those first ones, what, took like eight years to really work through what was going to happen and make it a satisfying arc 
and have all the pieces come together and be so emotionally satisfying. And now that, you know, it's just a movie, one or two movies a year and 47 episodes of TV, and it's just all, you know, just people walking up to the security guard and the security guard saying, what are you doing here? And then Obi-Wan Kenobi says, I'm here about the job interview. I don't know why he sounds like South Park Canadian. That's the only accent I know. And then, then the security guard says, Humph, All right, come on in for the job interview, you. And whew, we got around that. I saw some clip. I, I think it's real. It was a baby, not baby Leia. It was like seven-year-old Leia, Princess Leia. And she's being chased by these people who are grown men and they're trying to catch her. And she's just like, she's running and they can't catch her. And it's like, she'll turn around or she'll duck or it's like, who the fuck wrote this shit? If you think two grown men can't catch an eight year old girl. Because she's so wily. Like, how did they even film that? How do you... I guess if you just cut, you just, like... The, the guys almost catch her, and they're right there, they're ready to catch her, and then you just cut, and you show her ducking, and then you cut to another shot where the guys are 20 feet away. They're like, oh, curses! She teleported us over here! Yeah, like that's, you know, I want some authenticity. I want some real problems with some real solutions. And if I get that in a movie, then I'll like it. And there's there's a lot of movies that I like that aren't particularly deep. I can I can turn off a lot. Um I can turn off a lot. I can, my suspension of disbelief is fine. I can, I can decide if I'm in critique mode or story immersion mode. Um, cause that's the thing. I watched Breaking Bad for the first time, not trying to analyze it. I just wanted to experience it. And then I've watched it again and really analyzed how did the story mechanics how did how did they <coughs> how did they make it so it was so emotionally satisfying and you know i talked to the, the main thing again is that everything that was done even if it wasn't realistic it was authentic to what the character was thinking in the moment based on Everything you knew that came before and they didn't You know if one person went through a horribly traumatic experience Then they were different for Many episodes after that they didn't just Move on there was consequences to decisions. Oh god. I could talk for Forever about okay, so let me give me an example from Breaking Bad Here's a here's the thing, and I alluded to it earlier, about the protagonist where life just happens to them, and then not being a particularly 
gratifying story experience to just hear of someone who life happens to him and then the story's over. Um, choice. The idea that... And maybe maybe choice just means power, but, you know, to, to really have it come down to there being a choice. That the character... We're, we're supposed to be learning through the people and it's helpful if you're if you're learning a life lesson to know what when did they know and what did they what did they know what did they choose did they have a choice you know if you're walking down the street and someone hits you from behind uh, on the sidewalk uh, you know in their car you know you, you didn't have a lot of choices i guess you could have stayed at home but you know the most uh, rewarding stories uh, usually are someone makes a choice and that choice has consequences and that's you know that's that's the the evolutionary part of storytelling so if you want to tell your own stories uh, or look for it in good stories good movies good books that you like it's like where was the moment when the character first had the chance to put this on the right path or the wrong path. So let's talk about Breaking Bad. If you haven't seen it, I'm just going to be ruining, like, episode three. It starts off as a chemistry teacher. He gets lung cancer. He knows he's going to die. And he doesn't have a lot of money, and so he wants to make money so he's not leaving his pregnant wife and 16-year-old kid with cerebral palsy in a lurch. So he decides to, you know, they don't have money for his treatment. There won't be any money left when he's dead. So he decides to cook crystal meth. Uh, hijinks ensue. You get to, th I think it's the third episode. I'm not sure. It's the one called Gray Matter. Basically, he is offered the job, his, his dream job. Uh, there's a lot more history to it than that, but let's just say he's offered his dream job. And this dream job will cover all of his medical expenses and it will leave him whole. It will leave money behind. It will solve all of the problems he had in episode one that put him down the path of cooking crystal meth it is the perfect solution any sane person would take it and it it's a very real choice that he's given here please take this and everyone's like yeah of course he's gonna take it and the writers in their infinite wisdom decided to just blatantly give him that choice that reason that that way out and they had to figure out why he wouldn't take it. And that's where the heart of that character comes from, is those planning sessions that they had. Why, why would this man say no to an easy solution to his problems? And then all the rest of the episodes happen, you know, as one string of consequences from that decision. 
but uh, that's such an important part. And there's, you know, there's dozens of rules or, you know, guides. It's like, what, what are the essence of things that can happen in a story that make it uh, tick all our emotional gratification boxes when we're done watching it? And so when I talk about movies out there that people people love or people hate, um, people are mad at, thinking of what, like Sound of Freedom. God, people, you either love that movie or that's the worst thing ever. And it's so fascinating because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, I know kind of what it's about, but uh, to see... <laughs> That much emotion of uh, about a movie, especially from people who haven't seen it, and are like, oh, "Fuck no, I'm not going to see that. That movie's terrible." Like, okay, I'm trying real hard to not talk too much shit about movies that I haven't seen, because that just tells me, you know, more about the person saying it than about the movie. But anyway, we're we're at a uh, everything's political moment in our in our history and again I blame social media because it's the way we get rewarded on social media it's how uh, and maybe I'm just talking about my generation the Gen Xers who fucked everything up that was a uh, a theme I was thinking about for this podcast as well was how do I, how do I say like I'm apologizing for Gen X for the stuff that we did and continue to do, uh, but I didn't come up with a good name. So hella meh it is. Uh, but that said, for, for whatever reason, we decided... I don't want to say we decided. I know exactly how it happened. Um, you know, social social media. But before social media, we 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 had to like call each other on the phone, and you know, two people can talk on the phone, or you had to go somewhere and see them, or you had to write them a letter. Uh, there's no such thing as a like. There's no such thing as going viral. Um, you didn't have 900 followers. Fuck, you didn't... There, there, wasn't, there wasn't 50 people who knew what was going on in your life on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, if you take everyone... Even people who didn't want to know you, but knew you, like co-workers and shit. Like, you didn't, you just, nobody had 50 people. Like, if you had an idea, like, I like, uh, I like cheesecake. It's like, you know how many people knew you like cheesecake? The new Indiana Jones movie came out. Oh, I hate it. You know how many people knew you hate the new Indiana Jones movie? Like, four. And you know how many of them would get pissed off if you said you hated the new Indiana Jones movie? None of them. And then 
social media came out and now all of a sudden everyone's trying to become famous and get that 50 million likes. And the way to get the 50 million likes is by saying you hate the new Indiana Jones movie. Or you think it's the best thing ever and anyone who hates it's a fucking Nazi. Or, you know, anything like that. So I, I understand exactly how we ended up where we're at today, where, uh, first off, the delusion that people give a shit what you think. <laughs> and it's not lost on me, the irony that I just said that while I'm recording a podcast. Uh, but I, uh, that, that maybe that ties in with what I said earlier. Like, this isn't about me or my life stories. I'm just, I'm bearing witness I've studied things like storytelling and I'm sharing what I've learned. Uh, I'd like to think I'm at least 60% correct. Uh, I'm probably never a hundred percent correct, but I'd like to think I'm doing more good than harm by sharing my impressions of things. But by all means, you know, everything I say is a, springboard to go off and figuring out what you learn i just i'm sharing how i think because i think everyone should think and i didn't really learn how to think for myself uh till my mid-20s or so so i'm just having fun exploring what it feels like maybe it's the old punk in me but what what is it like to take what people say uh consider it evaluate it own it internalize it decide if i agree or not and if i do claim to agree then i have to integrate that with all the other things i believe because they can't well sorry it's really easy to believe two things that completely contradict each other uh but you, you usually look stupid if you share both those ideas because people know you haven't thought it through. So, I like to think, and maybe it's the religious experience that I've had before, but I do like to ask the question, you know, how close to reality am I? How close to decent am I? What does that mean? Um... I was talking with my buddy Marwan earlier today about moral moral questions. Let me wake up my computer because there's a fun one. There's this book I read. Uh, the is it the Righteous Mind? I think it's the Righteous Mind by uh, Jonathan Haidt. Um, he talks about how human beings are moral in the sense that we have strong opinions on what's right and wrong and we reward and punish people for whether or not they align with our sense of what's right and wrong and Morality is a good way to to describe that. 
he, he decided, he discusses this, he decided to go with righteousness because it has, I think, a little bit of a stink on it. It's, it's, easy, it's easier to see what he's going for, which is not to say people have good morals. It's that people really care about other people living to the standards that they hold. You know, if I think it's wrong to hit a woman and then I see someone hit a woman, I'm not going to be like, well, I've got, you know, I got my thing and they've got their thing. Uh, I'm not going to respect them. I'm going to not tolerate that. You know, there's, well, I try to destroy them or whatever. And then you, you you ultimately get to like religion where people are killing each other or, you know, protests where people are hitting old ladies in the head with bike locks. I mean, we clearly as a species um, reward and punish strangers and family members alike for whether or not they meet our ideals. And I don't know why I'm saying this all except to say that uh, my favorite moral question that he asked, and I'll, 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 leave, I'll leave this, the, the first episode of, oh, I should Google this to make sure I got it right because the book's in the other room and I'm not even going to go look for the page. Um, but sorry, the, the inaugural uh, edition of Hella Meh, Let's see, The Righteous Mind, uh, question about, and I'm not going to say it out loud. Uh, I can't believe I'm about to type this in Google search. I'm going to end up on a list for sure. Oh my God. When, when I tell you guys what the story is, oh, there it is. They knew exactly what I meant, but now I'm on a list. So you can guys... You guys can guess what I just Googled, but here's the, here's the, let's see, they call it significant, significance of blind spots and moral reasoning. So here's, here's a moral question. A man goes to the supermarket once a week and buys a chicken, but before the cook, sorry, but before cooking the chicken, he has sexual intercourse with it. Then he cooks it and eats it. I can't believe I stuttered that many times. I've only had one sip of this fucking bitter wine, too. I'm going to have another sip. Then I'm going to read it again. Oh, yes. Now I'm ready. I should have some cheese. Oh, God. The wine and cheese hour? Next time. Next time when I'm talking about Y2K. All right. A man goes to the supermarket once a week and buys a chicken. But before cooking the chicken, he has sexual intercourse with it. Then he cooks it and eats it. Question for you. Has something immoral happened in that story? Which it goes into the book. He's like, you know, Western society is like America. We're like... Western societies are the only societies that have a hard time going, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. I mean, I guess everyone, 
we, we all agree that it's not great. <laughs> but I know, like, I've heard all my life what happens behind closed doors ain't none of my business. And I'm trying to integrate that. You know, I can't just say, uh, I don't care what, uh, what people do behind closed doors if no one's getting hurt and no animals are getting hurt and nothing's getting hurt. It's just someone's got a kink, uh, and I don't care about that, but also it's, this is really terribly wrong. I'm like, how do I integrate the two of them? I, I guess I must be okay with, uh chicken uh cooked sorry not cooked raw i don't know if it's important that it's raw the main thing that is important is that it's not alive it and it wasn't killed to be fucked it's dinner so that's you know that's all the nuance to the story it was cooked to be dinner because that would add that would add a layer wouldn't it if he just killed a chicken so you got so you, let's 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 go down the hierarchy of terribleness. He doesn't kill the chicken and has sex with it. That is the most terrible thing. The next least most second most terrible thing is he kills the chicken just to have sex with it and throws it away. That's pretty lame. Then, I, I'm not going to make up other things in the middle. We'll just jump straight to, uh, it was cooked to be eaten as a meal. It is eaten as a meal. And it also just happens to be fucked along the way. I don't know, you know, if, if he, and he goes into this in the book, if he went to the Middle East... And ask that question. If he went to India and asked that question. Nobody outside of Western society was trying to give this guy, the, 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 uh, the chicken fucker, uh, no one was trying to cut him any slack at all. And in our culture, we're, I don't know, I don't know what you think. Maybe I should have some guests on and we can talk through this next time. But the, like, I've got to integrate. And that's what I meant. I, I wasn't even planning on talking about what it meant to integrate uh, all my beliefs together. But this is the perfect example when I talk about, uh, uh, well, you know, if homosexuality is okay because it doesn't matter what uh, consenting people do in their, the privacy of their home. And again, I'm not, com well, not again. Let me, let me state this unequivocally as I've made the comparison. I'm not saying that, uh, homosexuality is anything like having sex with a chicken. It's just the justification I've heard all my life for why it's none of my business is it's none of my business what people do is none of my business i'm not trying to distill it down to just it's none of my business i'm just saying that 
how, you know, when I've been raised thinking, you know, what people do is none of my business. This is just something that people do. <sighs> Which then maybe I can come back and say, no, it's still fucked up. So, but that that's what I mean, is how you think is you you take an idea, you take your gut reaction to it, you... You try to learn from it. You try to go, okay, well, where's... <laughs> Can't believe we're talking about this. This is great. But you, yeah, you make the idea wholly your own. And it has to not contradict um, other important ideas. You can't have, like, two important ideas that don't jive together at all. Oh, my God, is it 1249? Shit, I've got to be up for work in eight hours and ten minutes. I'd better... <sighs> Eating your dog and having sex with chickens. That's the next link. I know there's another question like that about... about eating a dog that had died hit by a car. A family's dog was killed. Oh, here's, here's the questions he asked. A woman is cleaning out her closet and she finds her old American flag. She doesn't want the flag anymore, so she cuts it up into pieces and uses the rags to clean her bathroom. And all of these, you know, the, the point of these stories is you're supposed to say, did something immoral happen? And that's like a clear example of you showing... Uh, how morality is not just, uh, you know, was something, did something bad happen? Because obviously no one really in the, in the big scheme of things, tearing up one flag and cleaning the bathroom uh, doesn't necessarily mean you hate the country. Uh, but a lot of people think it's wrong. I'm sure a lot of people now think that that's great and they'd go out and try to find American flags and do that with it but that's not the point I'm making next question a family's dog was killed by a car in front of their house they had heard that dog meat was delicious so they cut up the dog's body and cooked it and ate it for dinner uh, was that immoral oh god alright there's some questions here that aren't from the book <laughs> Well, I gotta, I gotta keep reading. A brother and sister like to kiss each other on the mouth. When nobody is around, they find a secret hiding place and kiss each other on the mouth. I gotta work on my, on my radio announcer voice. Well, let's just read through these then, shall we? <laughs> I, I don't know what else is here. A man goes to the supermarket once a week. Okay, we already did the chicken one. Oh, and that's it. That's the end of it. It was a bunch of writing, but it's not questions. So that's it. That's all the questions on this site. <sighs> Sorry about that. All right. I'm going to take one last sip of wine. That's three sips over the last hour and 23 minutes. It's the best I can do. All right. It's the Helicast. I need some... Some new music. There's some South Park quotes with Cartman saying hella. That makes me happy. Should I keep the farts 
What do you think? I mean, they don't really connect with Bertcast other than the whole Bert, Bert thing is supposed to be a fart, so maybe, maybe the farts don't apply anymore. What's hella or meh? I'll have to think of a new theme song. All right, thanks for thanks for uh, not um, reporting me to the FCC and having me taken off the internet.